TGI podcast. I'm your host Matt and I want to wish you a very happy Halloween. And with that, we have a special bonus episode here today where I'm joined by none other than Anthony Caruso from Tis the Podcast. This is an episode that Anthony and I have been talking about doing essentially since last year and he's been very excited to come on and do this one and I'm also excited for all of you to give this one a listen. Now, on to the show. When the spawn meets world, This week, I am happy to welcome in Anthony Caruso from Tiz the Podcast. Anthony, how's it going today? It is going great. I'm glad to be back. I am very excited to have you on again. We covered Step by Step last December. That one was an awesome like trip down memory lane. And then I was on with you guys on the podcast. We were talking Boy Meets World. And that's when we, I mean, I think last December we talked about that we needed, that you wanted to come on specifically for tonight's episode. So it's, it, it's been a long time coming. It's been a long time coming. I have reminded you multiple times throughout this year, <laughs> like, hey, this is still on the schedule, right? Because I've been very excited to talk this one. And I'm ex- I'm happy you saved it for Halloween, even though it aired in like February, I believe. Yes. So for those of you who don't know, we're covering the episode from Boy Meets World from the fifth season called And Then There Was Sean. And like Anthony alluded to, it debuted in February of 1998. Uh, it's not technically a Halloween episode, but it certainly falls into the realm of uh, Halloween. And before we dive too deep into the episode, everybody knows my history with Boy Meets World up to this point. I've covered it a couple times. But Anthony, what is your history with the show itself and your history with this episode? Uh, well, the show itself, so I'm a 90s kid, so TGI Fridays were my thing. And Boy Meets World, I was a perfect age for the show. This was my favorite show in the lineup growing up. From the minute of premiere to when they graduated college, moved away to New York. I love this show. I still love this show. I just, uh, you mentioned earlier, I think you just mentioned, you were on our show recently, Christmas episodes of Boy Meets World. And that made me go back and rewatch the series from beginning to end. And it holds up. It really does. It really holds up. And I still love it, even though (laughs) the earlier episodes still kind of freaked me out how young they actually were (laughs) when it started. Yeah. But yeah, no, um, it's, it's always going to be a perennial favorite of mine. I have so much, so much nostalgia wrapped up in it. And as for this specific episode, so this aired in, you know what year this aired in? It was 1998. Okay, so I was not old enough yet to have seen... I wasn't into horror yet. Mm-hmm. My horror was all about the Universal Monsters, you know, Black and White Dracula, Frankenstein. And I was, I, you know, I was a wuss back then. I didn't like horror movies. <laughs> and I was still young. But I did 
so Scream was a zeitgeist movie at the time. Scream had come out two years before the sequel came out. And everyone knew who Ghostface was, whether you were young, old, whoever. So when I saw the preview for this episode in early February of the who is this, a, a masked figure who is essentially Ghostface, except it's a skeleton face, I was like, oh man, this looks awesome. It also looks terrifying, but it looks awesome. This could be my you know, way to see Scream since I'm not old enough to, to see Scream yet. And I remember watching it and thinking, yeah, this was freaking awesome. I was, I remember being freaked out by the creepy janitor. Yes. <laughs> freaked out by, you know, skeleton face guy, but I loved it. And I think it's a missed opportunity. They didn't air it at Halloween because it is such a Halloween feeling episode. Mm-hmm. It has none of the trappings or anything. It was just the plot. Yeah. And yeah, I understand why they didn't. I know that it was in the middle of that plot line where Corey, and Topanga, Corey cheated on Topanga, whatever, but still a missed opportunity in my mind. And I'm excited to dive in and talk about it with you. So, it, yeah, so mine is, this was one of those shows that was so, um, I think this is the one that holds up the best over all of the TGIF shows, you know, like Full House and Family Matters and Step by Step. They all got, in my opinion, progressively worse. Like when, and they all had like super weird storylines. Like near the end of like Full House, Michelle has amnesia from falling off a horse. Like it's just so weird where I think like, you know, uh, Boy Meets World still kind of leaned into weird things at times, but it felt like because of the age they started and where they finished that it still kind of fit. So like when this episode came up, let's see, in 98, I would have been, can't even do the math, 12 years old. And I was just at that point where I was starting to really like horror movies and scary movies and i feel like this one fits so perfect i don't know if i would have seen scream already like i kind of doubt it i don't think i I think it was probably in this range that i would have saw scream and what i think is really cool about this episode is it's enough to show young kids to sort of dip their toe into like scary movies without it being ungodly scary like to the point where you're going to have nightmares like yeah you might get a little scared but you get the resolution so quickly in this episode and you're like oh it's sean and it's sean's figment of his imagination and and a lot of deeper issues through all that so i think that's what what makes this episode like really special in that kind of way and it's funny too like we've both mentioned already that it it hasn't had you know it what it didn't air around halloween and you mentioned about how it didn't play, it wouldn't have played into that storyline of, of uh, Corey kissing the girl at the ski lodge and all that stuff. But I did find a really interesting quote. There's a couple of really cool retrospective articles about this. And in 2016, Yahoo interviewed the director, Jeff McCracken, about why it didn't air around Halloween. And he said, quote, we normally made shows for the holidays. Maybe we were preempted by some other event on Halloween week, or maybe the network got scared at the last minute. I don't remember how that happened. So it seems as though he kind of thought that this would have worked then, you know, maybe it's just one of those things that scheduling wise, it didn't work out. Like, you know, this is like almost the midway point of the season on the downward trend. So, and it had to play into that other storyline. So that makes sense, but it does feel like a really big missed opportunity. It's interesting. You said, uh, maybe the network got scared because Mm -hmm. again, 
it is so out there. Like, yeah, even though it turns out to be a dream, you essentially kill all your main Yeah. And, like, y- yeah, you see some of them die. It's not like mm. they all die off screen. <laughs> off yeah. Screen. You see, like, Feeny collapse to the ground, like, with scissors. Scissors jammed in his back, yeah. yeah. And it, it's funny, too, that that they would throw this out there at 8.30 on a Friday night. You know, it is kind of bold for a, a network television show to do that. And I, I again, I think that's what kind of makes this that much more interesting of an episode because they did kind of take chances, especially because we know with a lot of these shows, it's not taking chances. It's wrap everything up in a neat bow, cute things, sad music, bada bing, bada boom, we're out. But this one kind of, you know, it kind of poked and, and jumped over the line a little bit. And I think that's what's really cool about it. Well, I for those who haven't listened to the Christmas episode of Boy Meets World on our show, on his podcast, um, that's one of the things I appreciate about Boy Meets World. And it's one of the things that frustrates me so much that Disney owns all of this now. Mm-hmm. When they make the sequels, they have toned it down and kidified it so much. It just doesn't feel like the same show. No. This show took chances in its heyday. They talked about sex. They dealt with booze, cults, drugs. You did an episode like this. I can't see Disney doing anything like that anymore. No, not not at all. And it, it and again, I think that's what made a show like this. Uh, I think I think that's why a lot of people still have an affinity for it because it doesn't get lost in the mix of all these other shows because it was willing to be a little more different and a little and a little more out there. And so, like you know, moving on, like you had talked about how Scream it came out in 1996. There. Are definitely elements of scream in this episode the year before uh, i know what you did last summer came out there's obviously some very very obvious uh homages to that movie as well as well so it's it fits so perfectly in this era too and like i was right at that perfect age and you too like right on the cusp of these movies being sort of how it trended in the late 90s, early 2000s, that we got a lot of these teenager slasher movies. And it's really cool that this movie is just like, boom, right? Or this episode is just right there in the middle of it. Like, this is super popular. Let's give, you know, let's give it a run. Right. And besides screaming, I know what you did last summer. It was interesting watching it this time and seeing how many of the horror tropes they lean mm-hmm. into. Like, it is such a good introduction to horror film yes kids because it does play on all those classic tropes that are prevalent in everything from like halloween to friday the 13th yes it's it's like it took it took it tried to take as many uh notes from all of these sort of classic movies and they somehow jammed it into a 22 minute episode and and it all works and so for the episode itself we we open up. We are in Feeney's classroom. Sean's a little upset that Corey took his seat at the back of the class, and it's because Corey needs a little space. He says between him and the wife, which I thought was funny because they had broken up. So that's a little. Uh, we alluded to that already that there was a breakup that happened before this between uh, Corey and Topanga because Corey cheated on her by kissing another girl, and so. Sean immediately, you could tell he is uh, a little hurt, a little upset, a little broken up by the fact that his two best friends are have broken up. And then we get 
a, a student named Kenny who we've never seen before. I was about to ask you that. Like, this is the only episode this yes. ever appears in. Yeah. We had never seen Kenny before. We never see Kenny again. He's played by Richard Lee Jackson. And as I'm watching it, I'm like, this guy looks familiar and I cannot place it. And then I felt bad for why I know who he is. And that's because his one real major role was he played Ryan on Saved by the Bell, the new class. And that was the only other thing, like everything else is a little bit pieces here and there. Like he was on a couple, like he was in an episode of Power Rangers. He was on this, he was on a couple other, like just shows from that era. And I'm like, when I looked it up, I'm like, oh no. I was like, I hate that I know the Saved by the Bell, the new class that I could point him out that I remembered that guy. Did you ever watch Saved by the Bell, the new class? Not from beginning to end. I've seen an episode or two though, yeah. I would, I, yeah, I would not, I, I had never watched it enough to where I would have recognized him. And yeah. I didn't recognize him. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's very much a uh, forgettable character. And I love that it's just, he is only there to serve a role that we learn a little bit later on. But he starts it off. He asks Topanga if he could borrow a pencil. And this is where we get Sean immediately upset. He kind of butts in. He's like, hey, you can't ask her for a pencil. This is, Corey's girl and all this stuff and he's like it's just a trial separation between Corey and Topanga so stay out of it and, what and I love about this is Corey and Topanga's breakup is affecting everyone like, yes not just Sean Corey and Topanga but like now it's bleeding over into the rest of the class and mm-hmm. this is why Feeney gets annoyed like because their drama is eclipsing everything he's trying to teach yeah and Feeney he's having none of it and I always love to that in a school of whatever size this is, it's basically every single class has Sean and Corey and Topanga and Angela and Feeney teaches it. Like Feeney must be the king of all teachers slash principals because, and deans or whatever he was at in college that this dude can do it all. But Feeney, he's upset and he's yelling at Sean and he's like, you know, I don't care about the love life of these students. You are causing a ruckus in my classroom and all this stuff. And it leads to Feeney breaking everything apart. He's like, Corey, you go sit on this side of the room. Topanga, you go sit on the other side of the room. And right as he, uh, as he finishes up yelling and all this stuff, we get our first little taste of where this episode's going. And we get some eerie music playing in the background in this. Well, he says first, one more interruption and the whole class is going to detention. Yes. Slams open. Yes. Door slams open. We get the creepy janitor, perfect music playing. And the janitor dumps the, the trash out into his giant trash bin. And he's just looking at everybody. Like, I love, he's not even looking down at what he's doing. He's just has this glare and he's glaring into this classroom and that's what sets us up for detention in Feeney's class. And, well, the janitor, before we go on, I'm sorry. I just wanted to say about him. Sure. It's, he, I think at the time and still now watching it, he's the creepiest thing in this episode to me. Because while we do get the, obviously, the cloaked killer throughout the rest of the episode, a lot of that's played for laughs because you have Eric come in and, Jim, mm-hmm. and you know, all the normal banter you get between these characters. Whereas this, they let it breathe a moment with the creepy music. No one's saying a thing. He's just staring around and points at the mm-hmm. blackboard before backing out. And I'm like, yeah, that's creepy. And I, 
I really admire the fact that they let that moment breathe and didn't try to undercut it with a joke right away. Yeah, exactly. Because it, it, it helps set the tone even more for this episode. And then when we get to detention, it's Corey, it's Sean, it's Topanga, it's Angela and Kenny for whatever reason. And they're stuck in detention for the next hour and a half. So before we move on, I got to ask, were you ever, were you a person who got detention? I have <laughs> never gotten detention in my life. I was never got suspended, never got detention. I was always the model student. Teachers loved me. Students hated me because I was, you know, the goody two-shoe <laughs> teacher's pet. But uh, teachers loved me. How about you? I So the only time I ever remember, I, it all, it, it <laughs> it's a funny story. Like we had a substitute teacher or something and I showed up late to class, which I really never did that often. And unbeknownst to me, they had written me up for being late. And at school, like if you got a detention, there was like a detention list in the hallway, you know, when you came into school. So you would know. I never looked because public shaming. Yes. Yes. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And it would tell you like how many detentions you have. And if you didn't go, they would, you know, mount up and everything. Well, like a month goes by. I have no idea. And I get like a, a referral letter saying that i'm gonna i'm gonna have in school suspension because i didn't go to detention i'm like what in the world so i go to the teacher whose class it was who was out that day and i told him and he's like i'll take care of it so i never actually ever had detention he just took care of it but i remember just that fear of being like oh my god what in the hell did i do so messed up though that like they could give it to you and you don't even know and it just keeps mounting up yeah and I never and I never would have thought to look because why would I look? Nobody ever told me I had detention. And it's funny that you bring it up. Like, I never thought about the fact that they just made that public. Like, it was so normal to us. And now, like, thinking back, like, wow, that's kind of messed up. Well, in my school, they didn't post the detentions, but they did post our rankings. So, our mm. wow. Just our overall average. Oh, okay. So... You know, you obviously, if you're on the top, you're like, yeah, I'm proud. But I always tell the kid bad for the kids all the way at the bottom of the list because I'm like, yeah, you shouldn't really be like, <laughs> yeah, that being this kid publicly this way. Yeah, that is so that's really, really unfair. Yeah. <laughs> but, anyways, back to the episode. So, Sean, he's a little miffed about being in detention, but this is certainly isn't Sean's first rodeo with detention. You know, this certainly seems right up his alley. But he gets up and he starts making his way towards the door. And he's like, he tells Topanga, he's like, he left them alone, right? Yes, because Feeny Feeny left them. And he tells Topanga, if I'm going to be stuck in here for over an hour, I'm going to my locker to get my cheese product. And I was like, what in the world is he talking? Like, at first I thought I misheard it to the point that I rewound it and I turned on subtitles and captions and it said my cheese product. I don't know what he's referring to there. Could they not like mention like cheeses or goldfish or something? <laughs> yeah. Like I was just like, or like ch- just cheese crackers or a snack. I just thought it was so funny that he said cheese product. Uh, but just as he goes to leave the room, he realizes the door is locked and he's like, come on, why would Feeney lock us in? Like, this is crazy. And then we get, the eerie janitor once again he's walking by the creepy music is playing and they're like hey hey can you open the door can you open the door and he pulls out you know your classic janitor ring of keys like and yes yeah. exactly and 
then he just walks off <laughs> and as and this was the part that made me actually kind of laugh a little bit he walks away and both Topanga and Angela just are freaking out like they're freaked out just by the janitor and they're like oh you know like screaming and I'm like okay he didn't really do anything yet like enough to the point to start getting really freaked out but put yourself in their shoes for a minute so they got locked into the classroom which is weird enough mm-hmm. this creepy guy i mean there's no denying he's creepy looking <laughs> yeah <laughs> walks by and just smiles at you while dangling a key tauntingly and walk yeah away. I, i'd probably be freaked out too at this point yeah that's 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 understandable and then we get our first nod to i know what you did last summer here when the map on the chalkboard rolls up and written in blood says no one gets out alive and i the first thing i thought of was imagine you are 10 years old however old watching this with your family you probably have zero idea what's going on in this episode like what's about to happen like you know us as adults we walk into this now we are, we've seen this tens twenties of times like we know what's going to happen but i was sitting there thinking to myself like i wonder how i actually reacted the first time i saw this because i don't think i was sitting there watching the previews religiously on the you know commercial breaks and everything like that so i feel like first time seeing this for a young kid would probably be a little like whoa or even the parents being like what's going on in this family friendly episode Right, especially the youngest members of the audience who probably had, you know, didn't have the logic capabilities to realize this is a dream, mm-hmm. a one-off. Like, yeah, like knowing that the series isn't going to end this episode because everybody's dead. <laughs> <laughs> but immediately, Sean, being the 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 leader here, he he believes it's Feeny. And he's like, hey, Feeney's trying to teach us a lesson. And then we get another one of my favorite lines from this is when Corey is, they ask Corey, you know, like, uh, what is he trying to teach? What's what's he trying to teach us? And he's like, "Uh, to pay attention or we die. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just like the perfect Corey sort of response. And it, it sort of lightens the mood a little bit too after this sort of shock moment of the, the blood written on the board and everything like that so i i did like that part and then it leans in funny because while re-watching the series it's amazing i mean Corey was always a bit goofy mm-hmm. but him and especially eric the two of them they really dumbed down as a series yes yes like they especially because eric eric at the beginning is like the cool high school yeah cool high school kid and then all of a sudden he's just like as goofy as i'll get out which i love i mean he he is probably most people's favorite character in the show because he's just full of laughs like that's he's just a perfect character but it is funny watching uh especially him and Corey just like get progressively dumber as the show goes on but it still works I mean, <laughs> I'm just going to say one of my favorite Corey moments, just because it's so dumb and it but was so quintessentially Corey. Uh, it's when him and Topanga first get married and they're finally going to have sex because she never put out when they were mm. dating. And she comes in in her negligee. Corey's like, 
I wish Sean was. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we also get a great reference to their virginity a little bit later on in this episode too, which is very funny. And this, this is where in the episode, Sean starts listing off the reasons that make sense of what's happening, like the Halloween horror movie tropes. And immediately I got Jamie Kennedy vibes from Scream. Like immediately that's what he seems like because he's telling you, oh, movies say this is the lineage. This is how things work. And I was just, and having recently watched, rewatched the original Scream within the last couple of weeks, I was like, oh my God, he is, he is Jamie Kennedy's character, Randy. Like, that is him in this moment. And and that's clearly what they're going for. I mean, this came out two years later after that movie. So mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, let's they needed and, and it works in this too because it sort of holds your hand through it a little bit for the younger audience, because I would assume the majority of them had not seen most of these sort of horror flicks, so they don't know that a lot of these movies kind of stick to a certain script in a way now sean he points out that kenny who like we mentioned has never been in an episode before will be the first to die simply because he's not one of the main people in their group which again like they're so self-aware in this that i love love that they pointed that out and we hear some some noise and like a thumping eerie sound that's continuing to build and build right outside the door that's the sound of our beating hearts yes and then the door pops open and it's eric and jack who are there with a basketball and this is where we get the first of many south park references in this episode as well as eric says hi ho just like mr hanky and um and again it's so like top of the pop culture uh, spectrum right here like they were just swinging for the fences in this which i think is really really cool and 100 percent, the only reason this kid is named kenny so they could say oh my god they killed kenny yes exactly exactly and then the other thing too that before i had rewatched this i was trying to think to myself i'm like how do they incorporate eric and jack into the storyline because they're not in high school anymore they're in college they're living on their own and so i do like that they just kind of like they don't just have them show up for the sake of showing up like they have them show up because they're playing basketball at the gym so like at least it makes a little bit of sense uh as to why they're there and also a little bit yeah and even that is still a pretty big stretch (laughs) but it's better than just being like well we just thought we'd stop by for the day like it and at least they they put a little layer to it and then we also find out for whatever reason, blood was coming out of the showers, which ends up having nothing to do with the rest of this episode. Like, but she, I do like that Sean is like, that's just like this movie, blood in, in the shower. Like, I, I, I love that throughout the episode that he'll, they'll reference something like that and be like, you know, the blank, blank, blank. And he'd be like, from the movie, blank, blank, blank. And they all work so well. Now, Corey, at this moment, he is starting to buy into the fact that this is all Feeny uh, and that Feeny's trying to whip them into shape because regular detention doesn't scare them anymore. So apparently all these all these folks are getting detention all the time. And Kenny, in this moment, he's had enough and he starts going on and on about how, uh, 
you know, none of this scares me. And he's yelling at Sean and, and he's like, Hey, you can't tell me uh, to not try to borrow a pencil from Topanga and all of this. And then at that moment, we see the arm of someone, a cloaked figure flip off the light switch dressed very similarly to Ghostface from Scream, at least with the robe part. We haven't seen the face yet. Tons of screams. Light comes back on. And then we get our, oh my gosh. And I love that they say gosh, not God, because this is is ABC. I don't think they were, were they Disney then? I'm not sure. I don't know when Disney bought them because, I mean, they did have the wonderful world of Disney. Yeah, that's, that's true. But they were, they were definitely keeping it uh, as family-friendly as possible. But we see Kenny with a pencil stabbed through his head, like one of those fat pencils you have in, like, kindergarten or whatever. Same pencil you tried to borrow at the beginning because for some reason Topanga had this giant pencil. Yes. And so we get Eric. He shouts, oh, my gosh, they killed Kenny. And immediately I think of how gory was this moment that let's just suspend reality right now believe that this is true that somebody jammed a pencil through the man's forehead through his brain out the back of his skull and the and the uh the pencil still made a mark on the wall like well i'd about to say i actually really like when kenny slides down and it leaves a lead yes the lead line dragging up mm-hmm. but yeah, you're right. It would have been incredibly gory, and we don't even see a drop of blood because ABC Disney. <laughs> yeah, I also love too that we get another funny Corey line, and he's like, "Well, always remember he was this tall." <laughs> <laughs> and then I just love because Corey is such like a flamboyant character. I love that when he freaks out, he's like flapping his hands. Yes. Yes. Like he's like a Muppet almost. Like the arms are just flailing all over the place. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so after this moment, they all they run out in the hallway. We get more creepy music playing. The lights flicker. And Sean still is super relaxed because he's the movie buff guy. And he still thinks this is all feeny, trying to pull one over on them. And everybody else is freaking out. And they're like, we got to check the doors to see how we get out of here. And we get the funny, like they run to one side of the building and then you see them run back and you see them run forward and backward and all this stuff. And this is the only time in the series we get a little exterior shot of the school because we get that outside shot of mm-hmm. them banging on it. That's true. Yeah. I never thought about that, that we, they're always so like confined. Uh, like you very rarely ever see them outside, even though they're not outside there, but you'd never see like outside per se in the show that is pretty good and uh, i love that while they're doing this sean is like it's another it's sorry sean is like it's another horror movie thing every door is going to be locked why are you wasting your time like he's just calm and just staying put yeah and he's like oh you know and then a shrouded figure will creep behind them and no one will see which happens as it runs behind him and he's like the lights will flicker and then they do and then he's like and then feeny will pop up and he'll reveal his great plan the clever thing about a cloaked figure will run behind us and they don't see. They all turn around and the figure runs in the forefront of the camera. Yes. Really close to the camera. Mm -hmm. I love that. That was clever too. It was. It was very clever. And so after Sean predicts that Feeney's going to pop out with this great plan, there he is. Lights come back on. Feeney's there. Everybody seems a little relieved. They're like, oh, okay. Feeney, he's the one. He's just been messing with us. And they both kind of, both Corey and Sean sort of, 
you know, like, oh, come on, you know, hey, good job there, Feeny. You can't pull one over on us. And just then, Sean goes to pat him on the back. Feeny falls over with a pair of scissors stuck in his back, which, again, is one of those things that if you're watching this as a kid, you're like, oh, my God, like, that's Feeny. This isn't some random kid I've never seen before. Like, he's a central main character of this show. And then Eric lets out the line. Oh my God, they killed, oh my gosh, they killed Feeny. Yeah, it's so perfect. Like, so perfect. I love that. And this, go ahead. I was just going to say, this is also the where we get a little moment from Sean, where he, this is the first time he's freaked out and he's like, I was wrong. Yeah, this is, this is the first time he looks a little scared and a little bit worried and then he reveals the next he's like the next group of people who will be safe for all the virgins and again this is where Corey just knocks it out of the park and he he turns to Topanga and goes all right thanks for saving me (laughs) that's hilarious but I also love where Eric and Jack are like I'm dead I'm dead I'm as close to dead as you can get without yeah he's like I was I'm as I'm really sick and as close as you can get to dying without dying and i was like oh my god that is so freaking funny like that, that is so funny over our heads yes without a doubt like no idea like at that point i think my only knowledge of virgins were like the virgin mary in the bible and hocus pocus like 100 <laughs> and even then i, didn't know what yeah, they were talking I was about. gonna say even then i have no idea what any of that means i'm just like oh okay but it's so much funnier now listen hearing that it's just so funny and then they're like, and Feeny, he's dead. And they're like, hey, hey Feeny, yeah. <laughs> so good. But they, they start arguing here. They're like, you know, what do we do? How are we, how are we going to get out of this? How are we going to get out of the school? And we get the janitor in the hallway. And Sean says not to say it. He's like, don't say it. Don't say it, Corey. Don't say it. And Corey's like, the janitor's the killer. And Sean's like, no, you can't say that. He's like, you can't say that. And, uh, you know, Topanga says he could be wrong. And that leads to Sean yelling at her and telling her she was wrong for breaking up with Corey. So it takes us back to the beginning of where you're starting to realize why Sean is so upset throughout all this. Sean is very much acting like a child from a broken family. Like he's their kid and he doesn't know how to deal with mom and dad having to split up. And, and like, he's already lived this in his life with his mom leaving his dad. And now he's living with his brother and he lived with Mr. Turner. So like he, he's clearly having a problem with important people in his life, not, you know, things changing. And a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of kids, whatever struggle with change. I mean, hell I'm 35 years old and I struggle with change. You know, it's just a fact, a fact of life. Yeah. But so next, as the episode moves on, we get the sound of the janitor and he starts getting closer and closer and the group decides that they're going to run out of the classroom and then the garbage bin rolls by and the janitor has been murdered. And <laughs> again, another creepy visual where they lift him up by pull the his head. head. Yeah. And he's like, he was scary enough alive. He looked dead on his feet. Like yes. Very pale, very scary, but he looks like a corpse that has been wasted away for a while, but when they, and they pull him out by his hair, like that was, 
creepy to me. Yeah, like like part of me just assumed it was going to be a close up camera shot where they just like pull back like that blanket or whatever was or garbage whatever was covering him. But yeah, they literally just lift him up by his hair, and I'm like, oh my, like that's that's actual horror movie type stuff doing that actual thing. Now in the episode, Sean at this point he's he's perplexed because all of his movie tropes have gone by the wayside at this point. And he's like, Hey, the main suspect who is the janitor is dead. Feeney's dead. Like that means the killer's gotta be one of them. And Topanga being the sweet, sweet Topanga. She can't imagine any of them being that killer. And they need to figure out a way to get out. And Eric volunteers to find a way out because of course Eric is going to be the one in that situation to to volunteer and everybody's like all right you can stay out here they run back to the classroom Eric is left standing in the hall and he turns around and he sees a girl played by scaring himself before she even shows up yes he's coming like dun 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 yeah He was he was such a good actor for what that character needed to be. And he just fully embraced like the wacky goofiness of Eric. And I think that was really awesome. And what makes what makes this episode even more awesome? We get the girl who he's scared by. It's played by none other than his girlfriend at the time, Jennifer Love Hewitt. So I was wondering that because I was wondering how did they get her for an ABC TGI Friday show after I know what you did last summer was like the horror movie of the year or the year before. Mm-hmm. But that makes sense. I didn't know the two of them were dating. Yeah. So in the in the interview that I read with the director, he said that they had wanted to get her on the show for a long time. They just loved her as an actress and wanted some sort of one-off thing. And then when when he started dating her, that the director like hounded him to try to get her for this specific episode. Cause he's like, it's just so like meta to put her in this episode. And he was like, I was shocked. She said she would do it. So we are like, we have to lean into this like super hard because it's just, it, and it'll bring a level of like humor to all this as well for people who know who she is. And well, I may even her name, <laughs> her name in real life is Jennifer Love Hewitt, and in the show, it's Jennifer Love Pfefferman. Yeah, which is Feffy. But but Eric, he uh, he starts calling her, he's like, You're the killer, and then he starts making out with her. And at that point, you could like that is that's not movie making out, that's him that's like making out going after this chick. Well, and <laughs> he's like you're the killer you're the killer and she's like all she says is i'm not the killer it's like i believe you <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes yes <laughs> and so then the group they make their way out of the classroom they see uh they see eric with feffy he introduces them to feffy and then the phone in the the pay phone in the hallway rings which clearly dates the show which is fine and I remember in my high school, in our main hallway, there was a payphone there. Like, I rem- I could vividly remember I had, like, some, uh, like, basketball practice or something, and it got canceled when I was there, and I needed to call home, and I didn't have a cell phone. And I remember I had no money, and I had to do the old, like, uh, 1-800-COLLECT thing, where you're, like, the old, like, uh, Bob had a baby, it's a boy thing. And I remember it was, like, say your name. I'm, like, Mom, pick me up at school. And it's just like, and she eventually like came and got me or something. But that was like the first thing that popped in my head when I saw a payphone uh, in the high school hallway. 
But we get the phone ringing. Jack, he answers the phone. Jack, up to this point, has had very little to do in this episode other than, you know, use that Lawrence charm and sound kind of like his brother, but kind of not. I was about to say, what do you think of Jack as a character in general? Because he was added the last last two seasons, last three seasons, pretty late on in the show. Yeah, he's... I mean, he was a good foil for Eric, which I liked because I think the two of them played off really well. And it gave like a brotherly connection since like the two of them lived together. And I did like the little bit of storylines that they would play off more and more with with Sean and him being brothers. But I don't feel like they did quite it. Like it always just felt more like they were friends, which makes sense. I mean, they were essentially half brothers, so they didn't know each other up until a certain point. But what about you? Were you a Jack fan? Did you like him or no? I could take him or leave him, but I, but I did enjoy um, the dynamic with him and Eric. And then when Rachel moved in with them as well, the three of them living together, that was mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. I the, really liked her as a character as well. So. Yeah. The, the three of them worked well enough that I think that could have worked as like its own show because they were, they were funny enough. Uh, they had sort of the romantic uh love triangle thing for a little bit too so like i i think it would have the apartment they did they did that was always i remember just thinking like i thought that's what apartments would be like and then you get into like a real apartment you're like oh that's what this is and are paying an obscene amount and you're like they must have been paying like 10 grand (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) although jack jack's dad was rich so he had the money i guess that's true yeah but in the scene jack he answers the phone and then we get another scream reference. And this time we get the deep voice on the phone. And he's like, do you like scary movies? What's your favorite? And this part I love, did not remember this until rewatching this with Jack with a very meta response. And he's like, I like the one with the hottie hot hot from party of five, which <laughs> is in reference to both Nev Campbell in scream and Jennifer Love Hewitt, and I know what you did last summer. So it's just super self-aware. And then uh, who's Eric who says, oh, Nev Campbell? And then like Feffy's like, oh, yeah. Like they all agree that it's her. So again, it's just they lean into it so well. And I think it just it made it so funny. Yeah, I, I think it was, I think it was, was it Eric who said Nev Campbell and Sean was like, duh. Or- oh, yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> Like they just completely leaning into it. So good. But at this moment, it dawns on Corey. He's like, hey, we could use the phone to call for help, which again, it's like, how did you not think of this until now? With You were out in that hallway. You had to have seen that phone. And Eric, in typical Eric fashion, he's like, yeah, we find out who the killer is and we can hit him with this. And he pulls like the, the actual headset, the receiver off the unit. And this is the part that I was like, the phone rings and the he had the unit in his hand. So technically you shouldn't have been able to answer that phone. But Eric <laughs> Eric still talks to the killer. We don't hear the killer, but Eric's like, mm-hmm, yeah, okay, yeah. And he's like, uh, the killer says he wants them to wait here so he can kill all of us. Uh, so And then everybody just spreads and runs out before making their way to what I can only assume is the world's smallest library where they suggest I have <laughs> Go a question about this. Mm-hmm. What year was this? 98. February 98. Because mm-hmm. I, I was like it's the, the Columbine thing mm. happened around this time, right? Was it 98 or 97? Or was it 99? 
Maybe it was. I think it may have been 99. I remember that whole, the bulk of that massacre sadly happened in the library. And mm-hmm. movies like Scream and I know yeah. last summer and stuff. So watching it now, in retrospect, I was like, oh, wow. Like the movies that they claim inspired Columbine and then half these characters are killed off in the library. It's like, oh, that's weird. I was like, this had to have taken place beforehand because I don't see the networks. Yeah. Yeah. They, I, I can't imagine they would have actually greenlit this had it happened before that. And so they're in this super small library that's like four rows of books. And I just, it was just funny to me that Sean's like, we need to split up. And I'm like, you guys could just form a circle and you would cover this whole entire library. Like it's not very big to myself, Sean, you're the horror movie master. You know, that splitting up is a way to get killed. Exactly. That should have been on Sean's list. And when they're go ahead, let me find out who the killer is in a few minutes. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And as we're walking around, we get like the stupidest death in this movie deaths, plural, where Jennifer love Pfeffernan, uh, Pfefferman gets killed by a stack of books that get put well a stack of books fall on her she's not quite dead yet and Eric comes runs over to her and <laughs> they push more books over top of them killing Jennifer Love Pfefferman killing Eric and at this point I'm like they are just swinging for the fences it's like we're killing feeny like who cares about kenny but we killed feeny who cares about the janitor we killed eric like (laughs) let me tell you something as somebody with a ridiculous amount of books with no space for them so they're haphazard all over my place if every time five books fell on me i would die i would have been dead like 20 (laughs) yeah And the visual of it, I love because it's like from above. So you see the books like fall onto them. It's just, it's so funny. Like it plays into like the kitschiness of this. And then we get another moment that it's like, they put this on TV where Jack is contemplating suicide. (laughs) Yes, but I handle it in such, it's like such a goofy way. Yes. Eric, Feffy, Eric, Feffy, I don't want to live. I don't want to live without like I'm like what the heck is going on and he's like Eric's my roommate he pays half the rent how am I going to pay for this and then what what dawned on me was that earlier you know they've referenced a lot in this show that Jack's dad is rich and that like his family like the, uh, the Christmas episode one of the Christmas episodes that we did that they would like go to the Riviera or something during the Christmas season and all this stuff so like it's like come on he's got enough money to handle the rent but Angela being a good friend who throughout this episode has really just screamed like that's mostly what she's done but at this point she comes over and she's like hey you're gonna be fine between you and Sean you'll be able to cover the rent it's okay and then at that moment, the killer comes over, pushes both of them out of the window to their death, which again is the first time you see this. It's got to be like, man, like, holy cow, they are just they're doing everything in this swinging for the fences. And I love that. Like, I just love that they weren't afraid to try stuff like that in this episode. Right. And I love that it's the last three standing are obviously our three protagonists. Yes. Sean and Topanga. And we get another amazing line from Corey here where he's like, okay, I know I was wrong before, but I really, really think that guy is a killer. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, so good. Like Corey just Corey is on point in this entire episode. Yep. But this is where we get the three of them. They're face to face with the killer. He's in all black. He's got a skull mask, which is clearly somewhat of a play on a uh, ghost face. Like not quite, but enough that like, it's definitely a reference to that. And I mean, Cor- it is because at this, like I said earlier during my history, I only knew ghost face and commercials at the yeah. time. So I wasn't old enough for screen. Mm-hmm. When I saw the initial commercial for this episode, I was like, oh, they're making fun of scream or something. That's yeah. The guy from scream. Yeah. And this is where Corey just flat out asks him, he's like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And the killer, he grabs Corey's hand, he grabs Topanga's hand, and he locks them together. And this is where, if you don't know what's going on in this episode, this is where it becomes very clear as to where this is going. And Sean walks over to the masked killer, pulls it off, and dun, 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 it is Sean. Oh, gasp. And I'm sure there were enough people first time around, especially young kids, you know, they're just not going to pick up on where the story's going that you're like, oh my God, it was Sean. Like, I don't think I realized that the first time, like, uh, didn't, wasn't able to guess it the first time. Oh, for sure. Like, I'm sure the first time I saw it, I was actually legit, like, surprised that this is where it was going. And just after the reveal, we find out it's all just a dream. And Sean, he wakes back up in detention. He's kind of out of it a little bit. And he's like, he turns the corner and he's like, Feeney isn't the killer. It was me. And uh, Sean's like, and Corey's like, what are you talking about? And Sean, he gets up and he tells Feeney, he's like, hey, you got to let everybody else go. It's not their fault. They're in detention. It's mine. And he reveals he, he's been uh, taking the Topanga Corey breakup really hard and he's sorry he disrupted the class and killed everybody. And when we get this speech from Sean about how things, you know, he's like, look, Corey and Topanga, you guys were together before I knew you. And it's Which like we. They retcon this a lot. Yes. In the show because season yes. one, they hated each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, this was no like we were together in kindergarten or whatever, where it eventually gets to when they get married. Uh, and Sean just, he admits, he's like, it makes me angry that I can't fix this. And I, what, what I think is so great about this is that it's tapping into the mental health of a, of a kid that there's obviously a lot of underlying issues for Sean, which I'm sure it all plays back to his own parents, but he's seeing two of his absolute best friends who are almost like a, uh, the car, you know, the example of what he wants, not only does he want like a long-term love and relationship, but he wants parents that are like that and he just doesn't have it. So I think that's, that's really, it's really cool that they kind of tapped into someone feeling this way uh in an episode like that that it's okay to be upset that things aren't working out and and that's what i really go ahead this goes back to like a lot of these shows that tgi friday at the time had the lessons right Mm -hmm. um and i loved it but like the way they did this was more is in a more complex, subtle way than the beat you over the head with a full house where they flat out explain the lesson to you. Exactly. It's not Danny sitting on the bed with DJ and the sad music playing and him telling you like A to B to, to C, this is how we got here. It was no, like 
we're going to unfold this throughout a whole episode to show you and give you like a visual representation of what it feels like for Sean in this moment. Mm -hmm. And I loved it. Like whether or not you love or hate this episode, like you have to admire the risks they took and the, you know, for what the show was, the complex nature of the episode. And dealing with mental health, that's something that a lot of shows nowadays still don't, enough shows don't deal with that enough. So mm -hmm. the fact they were doing this in the late 90s on an ABC, uh, ABC TGIF show was, is very, very impressive. And it's, like you talked about earlier, that this is, this is nothing new for this show to take these type. We had Corey getting drunk in an episode. We had drugs. We had the cult episode with Sean. Like they weren't afraid to touch topics that, yeah, maybe not everybody deals with, but it may come up and it's good to have some sort of reference in life to, to even know that those things exist. So it, like you said, it, it's, it is impressive that they were able to tackle something like mental health on a Friday night television show at 8.30, 9.30 at night. Like, <laughs> and in this sort of context, too, where I think it connects with a younger audience a lot better than if it was like Sean being upset and then goes to therapy. I mean, he probably needed therapy, but <laughs> it, I mean, you have a dream like this, I'd probably <laughs> sign up for therapy. <laughs> exactly. But before this episode ends up, we get Feeney. He lets everybody go out of the classroom. He goes to turn off the light. We get the killer run out of the room or uh, he was hiding behind like a whatever bookshelf, whatever, and runs out. And I love the, the, the scene we get during the credits. And it's Feeney. He's teaching and all the students are giving incredible answers and tons of enthusiasm they're giving Feeney all of this respect and every answer is correct and we find out it's all just Feeney dreaming and he wakes up the kids are yelling they're throwing stuff around the room and Feeney's just oh exhausted with the life of being a teacher so it, it does end on a nice little funny uh well, funny that, note he takes a pair of scissors and like yes so so good and that is and then there was sean from the fifth season of boy meets world now anthony as you know on this show we like to determine if an episode should be deemed a holiday classic and whether that's halloween thanksgiving christmas tons of other areas i never thought i was gonna go like is this a super bowl episode like all these things but we give it either a you got it dude or no way jose and Anthony, I think I know the answer is pretty obvious, but what are you giving this? Uh, with my fullest endorsement, a you got it, dude. This is, I'm going to echo what you said earlier. I don't know if we said it before the mics were running or not, but this might be my favorite episode of the show. The characters were on point. Uh, they're at their funniest, despite it being a dream. And just the complex nature, the serious issues you're dealing with. It was great. And as a lover of horror now, I've only grown to appreciate how much it, it's like a little love, it's not just a parody, but it's also a love letter to all those movies that I love. And I love it. I watched this, I watched it one time in preparation for this episode. And then like, I watched it a few hours later. Cause I was like, oh, it's just so good. <laughs> it is. It's so good. And it, and you know, for myself, obviously I'm giving this a, you got a dude. This might be, my favorite episode of everything 
I've covered so far, including Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, all that. And I have such a special place in my heart for a lot of these classic Christmas episodes. But this particular episode, it just it, it it's almost a perfect half hour of television for what it was trying to do. And it just hits it perfectly. Is, is it going to give you Halloween feels with pumpkins and ghosts and goblins, things like that? No, not at all. But if I want something in the Halloween realm, like there's not a ton of like just straightforward Halloween stuff. You know what I mean? And this episode fits what we normally associate Halloween with. We, we associate it with slashers, these types of horrors. So I love it. I would, I'm going to probably watch it again before Halloween closes out. I'm going to watch it again next year. Like it's just, it's so, so good. Highly recommend to anybody to give this one a watch because if you haven't seen it, it's definitely, definitely worth a watch. And as I mentioned before, there are a couple good retrospectives of this episode. So I'm going to have all of those in the show notes for people to read. Um, also, what I thought was interesting from the director was that he said when they went through the initial script read, you know, you have your, you sit down and the whole cast runs through the script. They didn't know who the killer was until the very end. And he said he loved how the cast didn't know that it was Sean's inner feelings manifested. And I just love the way he, he stated that. And he also, I got a great quote here. It's a little long, but I'll read through it. And he was asked, it said, when did you first get a sense that the episode had become so popular with Boy Meets World fans? And he said, quote, I swear from the minute I first picked up the script, I knew it was going to be a classic. It mixes genres, it mixes tension, and it mixes comedy so beautifully. Once we saw a finished cut with the music, we all went, this is going to be great. With other fan favorite episodes, fans tend to talk about specific scenes, but this one was where they couldn't stop raving about the whole thing. It's grounded in something very heartfelt, and I think that's why the network finally went okay. And I'm glad they're looking out for the audience, but at the same time, we were all fathers and mothers on that show, so we weren't going to make something that was going to disturb them, and they're traumatized enough having us as parents. <laughs> but I, I love that perspective from them that it, it does mix all of these different things it's exactly like we talked about it hits all these different notes all these different ideas and all that and i just think it's just such a well-written show well-written episode um so again if you're looking for something to scratch that itch or as i mentioned earlier if you want to sort of let your kids dip their toes into the horror slasher genre without absolutely terrifying them or having blood and guts and stuff all over the place i definitely would give this one uh, uh give this one a watch it's that good but before we wrap up this episode anthony uh need to let you tell everyone about your podcast where people can find you i mean i'm sure people are listening to me they've probably heard this is the podcast but go ahead and plug away Sure. So I host a year-round Christmas podcast called Tis a Podcast with uh, my co-hosts Tom and Julia. And every Monday we drop a new episode which we talk about a different Christmas movie, TV special, uh, episodes of a TV show like Boy Meets World. And uh, yeah, we, do, we could do this all year round. We release a new episode every Monday. And for the remainder of 2021, you get bonus episodes every Thursday. I wrote a Christmas book and Tom and Julia have been awesome enough to let me release a chapter a week in our feeds and 
you know, our listeners, uh, the three of us and other hosts like Matt here have been reading the audio of these chapters and it's been a fun collaborative project that's been counting down to Christmas 2021. So check that out as well. Yeah, I highly feel that at tisapodcast.com. I highly recommend listening to Anthony's book. So I read ahead when I got to my chapter and then I told myself I was going to wait. I didn't want to read ahead. I wanted, so when I read it, I wanted to know where we were going. And I think I was like chapter 20 something, early 20s. So I read up to that point and now I've been listening weekly and it's so hard for me to have to wait because I want to keep, I want to know where the story is going. So I do recommend so much going and listening to it. Uh, I know Anthony put a ton of work, a lot of hard work into this. So also if you, if you know publishers, I know Anthony would love to get that in the hands of anybody who's willing to listen. Uh, So definitely do that. Uh, Thanks for that. (laughs) For sure. And as always for us, be sure to leave us a review on Apple podcasts. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram by searching TGI podcast. Uh, This episode officially wraps up Halloween month. Crazy to think that. That means we have Thanksgiving coming up in November. I'm really excited. We're going to touch on a couple of shows we haven't covered yet on the podcast, including Cheers and The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, which is going to be a lot of fun. December is going to be super fun. Uh, One of Anthony's co-hosts, Tom, wants to come on and do a Sabrina the Teenage Witch episode with me. So I'm going to wrangle Tom in on one of these, which I'm sure will be a lot of just rambling back and forth as Anthony and I have done tonight as well, which is always fun. Uh, but Anthony, thank you so, so much for coming on. It's a lot of fun. I feel like you and I can sit and talk and talk about tons of stuff. Uh, we always, we always have great conversations. So that's always very fun. So thank you very much for being on. Oh, thanks for having me. I love it. Thanks. And, um, we got to get you back onto the podcast soon. I know on the main show and for Patreon, because I was thinking, Oh, I have the perfect Super Bowl episode for you to do. But then I was like, oh, but it wasn't during the 90s lineup. So maybe we could do it for Tisa Podcast Patreon. Ooh, what is it? Do you watch what we do in the shadows? <laughs> I do I do not. I've heard so many good things and I haven't watched it. It's amazing. I mean, the premise is three vampires living on Staten Island trying to blend in. It's hilarious. <laughs> but they had a they get invited to the human Super Bowl party next door, but they don't know what the Super Bowl or football is, so they give the invitation. It's like the superb owl party. <laughs> it's amazing. So, oh, I love it. Patreon in February, we'll uh, wrangle you and we'll do that. That'll be fun. Awesome. That'd be a lot of fun. Uh, to everybody else, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back very soon with Thanksgiving episodes, which means we're that much closer to Christmas. So we'll talk to you all very, very soon. The TGI Podcast is written, produced, and hosted by me, Matt Yurick. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Yurick, and be sure to rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.